Hi, everyone. Good morning. My name is Clyde Rinsink, and I'm a recently retired RCA pastor. My wife and I have been worshiping here at Christ Church for a little less than a year, and today I'm delighted to bring the Word of God uh, to you. And as we celebrate the Lord's Day, we want to shout out and honor our moms, the mothers, the women in our lives, our grandmothers, our mothers, our aunts, our sisters, those who have nurtured us in our lives. Where would we be without their nurture? To them, we owe not only our lives, but the heritage they left for us to follow. As we continue, I'd like to open with prayer, and then we'll go to the text. Father, you know what our hearts need, and you know that we need the message of this passage just as surely as the psalmist did. We live in a different day, in a different age. We live in a different time and place. We live in very different circumstances. But we need this message just as much as he did. Thank you for writing it down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for preserving it pure in all ages so that the message comes to us sound and entirety. Now enable us, Lord, with hearing ears to listen to this word read and proclaim and by your spirit <clears throat> to apply it to our own hearts in the specific ways that we need it. Grant us that we would believe it as we hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I, I need peace. That's what my heart has been searching for in these days of COVID-19. We think about all the big changes that have come into our lives as we think about the dangers that are out there in our society, as we think about the sadness and grief that people have gone through um, in this crisis with the virus. And I've been thinking about that and looking for how the Lord can give me peace in this time. Well, I've come to uh, look and appreciate Psalm 29 and verse 11, where it says, May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You've ever taken care of young children. You probably remember thinking at the end of the day, all I want is a little peace and quiet. Of course, uh, the children wouldn't know what you're thinking. It makes no sense to them. But as they grow older, they may come to understand what you would mean. In a way, we all want a little peace and quiet. But oftentimes, that peace is difficult to get. Wars have been fought throughout history, and yet for most of us, it's not the military actions that really steal away our peace. But rather, it's our personal circumstances. It's our families. It's our co-workers. It's our neighbors. It's our bosses. Maybe a teacher or a coach or students or children or parents who are the center of our conflicts. And when it's not people, this war can be fought over money, over illnesses, over schedules, or just 
the twists and turns inside our own heads. Now, if this sounds like a bleak uh, perspective on our lives and surroundings, it's actually meant to be. Peace is neither normal nor common. The more usual state of our human experience is turmoil. Isn't it true that life is frequently conflicted? And that's why we want peace so much. That's why peace is so important. All we want is just a little peace and quiet. We want calm days. We want work. We want calm days at work. We want worry-free days of health. We don't want this COVID-19 hanging over our heads. We want days with no worries about money. We want days at home where we're all just getting along. All we want is a little peace and quiet. And actually, God wants the same thing because he's the God of peace. The word peace appears 276 times in our English Bibles. The Old Testament Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It appears in various forms 350 times. The New Testament word for peace is irene. It appears some 90 times. And the basic idea is the same for both words. It means completeness. It means wholeness. Peace is when everything is coming together. Everything is hanging together. It all feels complete. Peace is when things are the way God designed them to be. That peace may be personal. It may be community. For example, the Jews have long prayed for the peace of Jerusalem. Debbie and I took a trip to Israel um, several years ago, and people over there kept saying to us over and over again, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And one of the last things that our tour guide said to us before we boarded a plane back to the United States was, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What they mean is, pray that Jerusalem stays safe, that Jerusalem may be a safe and secure place. And if you look at its history, you understand why. In the long history of Jerusalem, it's been attacked 52 times. It's been captured and recaptured 44 times. It's been besieged 28 times. And it's been leveled and destroyed twice. You know why peace is such a frequent theme in the Bible? Because Peace reflects the nature of God. In Romans 15:33, we find the God of peace. In Philippians 4, 7, we read, may the peace of God transcend all understanding. In other words, it's such a wonderful and powerful thing that peace is that we're, we're actually incapable of understanding it. We may experience it, but we'll never understand it. We may enjoy living with it, but how do you put the pieces together that make for it? Well, I want to first give you a big picture. Let's appreciate this because it shows really who God is. The gospel of Jesus Christ 
is the greatest demonstration of God and peace. The essence of the gospel is that God was brokenhearted over the alienation between us as sinners and himself. And in order to bring us peace, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And when we receive the gospel message, when we repent, that Jesus is a savior from our sins, we come to have peace with God. In other words, God was willing to sacrifice his own son to get peace with us. That's an amazing thing. So whenever we want peace, let's always remember that God is on our side. God loves peace. God wants peace. God is at work in our lives to give us peace. God and peace go together. However, God never agrees to peace at any price. God is never a God of cheap peace or temporary peace or sinful peace. He will fight for a good and lasting peace. But that raises a question. How does all this work? We are living today in a world where circumstances are constantly surrounding us with the sights and sounds of an invisible war with COVID-19. And yet, God is calling us to peace in the midst of this war. But what kind of peace are we after? Well, there's a wonderful story about an art contest, a contest where the judges wanted to find a canvas that would best depict peace. And so finally, the judges narrowed it down to two finalists. I would like to show you the pictures on the screen. The first picture is a picture of a serene lake. It looks as calm and relaxing as any of you might have ever, ever seen. Well, this painting came in second. But now, here was the winner. You can see in this picture a painting of a raging storm. And when you look at it, you can almost hear the wind howling. You can see that there's a driving rain. You can see the flood of rushing waters, flood waters. Everything looks bleak and unrestrained. But if you look at it carefully, you can see in the middle of the picture, about two-thirds of the way down, there's a little bird sitting in the crevice in the cliff in the midst of the storm. And you see that little bird? The bird is at peace in the picture. And that was the, the, the portrait that that took first place. So what's the point we're making here? Peace is not the absence of problems. It's not the absence of a conflict. Peace is having calm in the midst of a storm. Chuck Swindoll said life is 10% what happens to us and 90% of how we react to the circumstances of life. If we get that point, we have a shot of peace in our lives. If we miss this point, we will be doomed 
to a lifetime of turmoil. In this life, we will never escape storms, but peace can be ours, like that little bird, in the midst of a storm. Now, there are different types of pieces. A factual peace is the peace that is the really hard, solid truth of God. God takes care of us. God is on our side. He provides for us. He protects us. God keeps us safe. We can have complete confidence in God's peace in our lives. We're the birds in a safe nest while the storm rages. Here's what Jesus tells Christians in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then he adds in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The fact is that our peace comes from God. We're safe, we're secure, we have certainty and predictability in our lives and in our futures. God himself is watching out for us. We're absolutely safe in the hands and protection of God. Suppose you have the opportunity to visit the White House. If there's any place in the world where you would be safe, it would be there. The Secret Service do an outstanding job of protecting our president and his family and his house. The fact is that if there is any place in the world where you and I are safe and secure, it's in the hands of God right here, right now. We may be surrounded by threats. We may be in frightening circumstances. We may be in the midst of bad people, but we're immediately and ultimately safe with God. God is the total basis for our peace. And as we walk the Christian life, we experience the peace of God. God gives us peace at times and places where we never would otherwise have it. Not because we have great faith or because we have people all figured out. God just gives us peace. It happens all the time to Christians who face the threat of death or who experience the loss of a job or go through a serious illness or face a national crisis or experience a tragedy at school. God is there for you. It's supernatural. He sees you through. Over and over and over again, we hear stories about God taking care of Christians and giving them peace when you would expect them to have fear. By the way, the funerals that I have 
conducted in the three churches I have pastored. In all the funerals of saying goodbye to the saints of the congregations and the times when death was was there, there is something that sticks out to me, and that is the peace that these people had in dying and the peace that the family had as their loved ones were leaving. Yes, there was real grief, but there was also a peace that was present. So let me tell you what's supposed to happen. Once we have experienced God's peace and care in the past, we're supposed to have a stronger faith and trust of God's care and peace in the present. The more we see of God's faithfulness, the more we expect God's faithfulness in the present and the more we will have peace. That's why that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, is such a great hymn. This was the repeated point in the Old Testament for the Hebrew people. God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. God preserved them through a wilderness journey. God brought them to the promised land. And after that, the Bible is just loaded with reminders of the good that God did. The whole idea was to have this experience of God leading them and bringing them through, that that would be their teacher. And so peace of heart and mind would would come from their memory of God's past cares. And all this is to say that the multitude of experiences that Christians have in their lives helps them grow peace. Every one of us have personal examples of what good God has done in our lives. And we are able to draw on that and get peace from our own personal experiences with God in the past. Now, here's a problem, though, and that is our emotions, they don't keep up. We have facts from the Bible. We have experiences from our past history. And these are definitely solid foundations for our present peace. But our emotions want to jerk us around. And I can give you a personal example. Sometimes when I preach sermons and get ready to preach sermons, as I'm preparing for the teaching of the week, you know, it happens to me. I get a bunch of upsets that includes my family, finances, uh, health, decisions to make, um, schedules to keep, a few other issues that seem big at the time, but down the road I can't even remember them. But I become upset and I worry. I pray for peace. I want peace. I sometimes even decided I had peace. 
but I still didn't feel peace. And the problem is that our emotions are slow. They don't keep up with facts. They don't keep up with faith. Even if it's true that God is there for us and has given us peace, we don't always feel the truth of it as we should. Our emotions are like those Japanese soldiers who hid out in Asian islands for 25 years after World War II ended, convinced that the world, that the war was still going on. And that's why getting peace isn't easy. There are some things, though, that we can do as we travel the path of personal peace. The first is to dwell on the truth. And the truth is, God is there for us. God takes care of us whether we feel peaceful or not. Peace comes when we are settled on the inside, regardless of what the circumstances may be on the outside. It's a combination of internal contentment, tranquility, and certainty, whether our external situation is good or bad. The truth is, God gives peace because God gives us certainty. God promises to take care of us. We may not feel it, but it's true. That's why the Bible teaches No temptation has overtaken you but that which is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's great truth from God. It's facts. It's reality. God is there for us, and he will provide. A second ingredient on the path to peace is righteousness. Righteousness is doing what is right. We should not expect to do what is wrong on the outside and experience peace on the inside. That's why Psalm 85 and verse 10 is so good. It tells us that righteousness and peace kiss each other. And look how practical Isaiah 32:17 is. The effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness and quietness and trust forever. When we do what is right, we may not get the results we want, but we will have major strides on the way to peace. A third step is to pray for peace, to ask God for peace in our own lives, in the lives of others. There's a direct connection between prayer and peace. And then a fourth essential step on the path to peace is just trusting God. Trust is that deep conviction that God cares for us, that we can relax And depend upon him. Jesus taught that God watches over the birds of the air. But that we are far more valuable to God than any bird. He teaches. As Jesus said in Luke 12, 24. How much more valuable are you than birds? 
God takes care of the birds, he will certainly take care of us. Now, the most common time for Christians to trust God and experience the peace of God is in the most extreme circumstances of life. It's when we're broke. It's when we're sick. It's when we're desperate. It's when we're totally frightened. It's when we're completely helpless. Have you ever felt like that at times? When we have no resources of our own, then as we fully trust God, strange as it may be sound, as we learn to trust God, we will learn to develop peace. And as we learn to trust God for the small stuff of life, then we will discover that if we want to have peace, life is really made up of a lot of small stuff. And then one more step uh, to developing peace. As we go along the path to peace, the fifth step is peacemaking. Some people are peacemakers and some people are troublemakers. Troublemakers not only cause misery for others, they almost always lack peace in their own lives. They will probably never personally experience peace until they decide to make peace. According to Romans 12:18, is far as it is possible, as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. What's Paul saying here? Be the kind of person who always goes first and farthest in making peace with others. It will grow peace in your own heart and life. I want to close with a story about a, a pastoral a friend. <clears throat> Uh, this, uh, minister, this ministerial couple, uh, the pastor had been diagnosed with ALS. And ALS is a frightening disease because it takes away all of your bodily movements, but it leaves your mind bright and unimpaired. It's a difficult journey to walk. And it makes us who are healthy, our troubles seem small. But his wife, his wife wrote an email and uh, she described what life is like. Here she writes. Ordinary tasks take hours. It takes about an hour to get ready for bed at night. She said her husband was constantly plugged into machines to keep him alive. And she said her husband was weakening so quickly they can hardly keep up with all the changes. And yet, she says, our lives are grinding along in slow motion at the same time. He's unable to do anything for himself any longer. But through all of this, God has been our constant strength, has been meeting our needs in unimaginable ways. God is so good and gives us great peace in the midst of overwhelming loss. And then she quotes from 2 Corinthians 4. The text says, We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So, how did she put it? God is so good and gives us great peace in the midst of overwhelming loss. That's what the Bible is talking about when it says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful there's no part of our being or no part of our stories, no spheres of our lives or places in the universe outside of your interest and care. You are creator, you are sustainer, Lord, you are redeemer, restorer, king and shepherd. Today we come to you acknowledging you as the Lord of peace. Though you don't always eliminate our storms, we'll never experience a Christ-absent storm or a Christ-absent heartache or a Christ-absent pandemic. So hear our prayers, grant us grace, and increase our peace through all of this. We pray for our hearts. Lord, you made them new by the gospel, but we're still in need of constant renewal. Jesus, you have won and washed our hearts. You indwell us. And one day, we will dwell with you in perfect wholeness. But until then, we are weaker than we wish. We are plagued with unbelief and insecurities. We are not as free and joyful as you intend. Jesus, keep us thirsty for you, humble before you, satisfied in you. Be our peace and wisdom and hope. And we pray for peace as we move into this life now shaped by the pandemic. Though we have more time at home, that doesn't mean it's been a piece of cake easy. Jesus, grant us gospel eyes to see in our family members. Grant us tons of grace, quick repentances, copious amounts of kindness. May we never have this much time together again to share our stories and our hearts. And lastly, Jesus, as your peace rules in our hearts, free us to trust you with our jobs, with our education, our health, our finances. Lord, we know this virus has an expiration date, but your love and grace and kingdom are eternal. So we pray in your all-beautiful and all-graceful name, Jesus Christ. Amen.